0: about what they didn't teach you in college today and um, this is gonna be eye-opening for somebody I think there's really important uh, lessons to be learned here and um, frankly I talk with a lot of people who have never heard of anything that I'm about to share and um, for me personally having gone through the college experience which is not a bad experience it's incredibly valuable but having gone through the college experience and having um, just realize the value of, of what I received, but also the value of what I didn't receive. I think there's really important things that we need to understand and we need to consider uh, when it comes to what we're paying for. And um, and I'll start this whole conversation off with that, but we're just gonna get started in just a second. Again, we're talking about um, what they didn't teach you in college today. So if you or somebody you know, has graduated from school, uh, from college, university, uh, you're going to want to share this with them, you're going to want to tune in, because we have some really important things that we're going to be talking about now let me start off by sharing my screen the reason I want to do this is I want to show you guys what I shared on Instagram earlier today I want to show you guys what I shared on Instagram earlier today so earlier today earlier today I was um, sharing this chart that shows it's by charter, and they took data from U.S. Bureau of Labor Labor Statistics, and it shows college tuition inflation in the U.S. from 1980 until today. And um, and if you're listening, if you're on the podcast and you're listening, I'll share the numbers. But what you want to take away is that from 1980 till today, college tuition inflation has been about 1,184 percent, so almost 1,200 percent increase. The cost of tuition, almost 1,200% increase, increase since 1980 for college tuition in the United States of America. Now, meanwhile, overall inflation is measured by um, the CPI, which is an inflation index. Overall inflation has increased only by 228%. So let me give you those numbers again. About 1,200% increase, I'm rounding, about 1,200% increase in college tuition. Okay, So the cost of going to college, getting going to university in the United States of America has increased by about 1,200%. Meanwhile, inflation's only increased by about 228%. Okay, very interesting, very interesting. Now, why do I say that? What's really important to understand here is that um, there's a question that's worth asking. There's a question that's worth asking. When you look at these numbers and when you see the disparity between a 1,200% increase and a 200% increase, Okay, again, I'm rounding, when you see that disparity, you have to ask the question, okay, well, what's the ROI on my college experience, on my college investment? So if, if I'm paying 1,200% and inflation's 1,200% more for college tuition today than I did in 1980, and inflation's only 228% more. Okay, so that, let's call it 1,000% difference. I have to be asking myself, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Remember, some people are going into hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt to go to college. And I was one of those people who went to college and uh, took we took out student loans. Thankfully, my parents, they made a commitment to my sister and I. Okay. This is very important to them. They said, education's our first priority. So grateful. They said, you know, if you take out any loans, if we take out any, any loans on your behalf to pay for your education, we're going to pay those back. So, they took out those loans for education and actually paid them back. They were in my name. They took them out, paid them back. Amazing. That just happened. I'm now 33 years old. Okay. I graduated from school in 2011. We're talking over 11 years, 11 years, 11 years to pay that off. Okay. I didn't go to a $100,000 school. All right. Th- this is just the point I'm making, okay, is that it's very expensive, it can be very burdensome to pay for college tuition. Some of you guys know this, some of you guys don't. That's okay. I'm not making a statement about whether you've experienced the burden of college tuition. I'm not making a statement about whether you're a good person or whether you're privileged or not. That's not what I'm making a statement about. The the statement that I'm making is that college tuition has increased by about 1,200%, and that's about 1,000% more than inflation over the course of the last 40 years or so. And I'm asking the question, is it worth it? Is it worth it now for somebody who's received a college degree? I can tell you how valuable a college degree is statistically. I remember growing up. I remember my dad telling me he would say, Hey, if you get a college degree, it really makes a difference in terms of statistically, whether or not you end up, uh, having a good job, whether you're in prison or not, all these other things. In other words, he was pointing me in the direction of, Hey, it's really good idea to go to college now for somebody who worked a double graveyard shift to pay his way through school. Think about that for somebody who understood the value of education not just because they valued it but because they valued it so much that they actually paid the cost of having to put themselves through school and even higher education after that for them for my father in this example for my father it was very important and he didn't want to project the importance on me he wanted to present the statistics he wanted to present the knowledge and he wanted me to make my own decision and i remember having to make a decision frankly i remember having to make a decision there was a there are two very good schools that i got into and i remember having to make a decision between one school or the other one was actually much more expensive It was also a much better school the school i went to is phenomenal school it's top school but the other school that i was looking at was a much better school for what i wanted to do in business and frankly i didn't know what i wanted to do i just made up i made up my mind that i thought i knew what i wanted to do like most people. And, uh, I remember my dad, rather than telling me just as an example of how he didn't project, he asked the question, he said, well, depends on what you want to do. I asked him, which school should I go to? He said, depends on what you want to do. I said, I want to go into business. He said, well, this one school that you could go to, that you got into is, a it has a, by ratings, a much better business school at the time than the school, the other school that you're looking at. And he said, well, what's the goal? Then he asked another question. He said, what's the goal of your college experience? I said to build character. He said, well, okay, so where do you think you can do that best? I said, this other school that has maybe not as good of a business school, but has an amazing community. That's very, very evident to me. And this was Virginia tech right after the Virginia tech shootings in April 20. Um, I'm sorry, in April, 2007, it was April 16th, but I'm losing my mind on dates here, but, um, it was at that time I was making a decision. I remember when I was making a decision on where to, where to go to school. And I remember the shooting happened, and my sister was at Virginia Tech at the time, and I had a connection, not just through her, but through other people that were there, friends of mine. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, this is a really powerful community. To see the way that they responded to such a tragedy, I remember thinking to myself, that's a place that I want to be. Because to me, that shows a lot of character, it shows a lot of integrity, compassion, things that I was drawn to. my nature i didn't have to overthink it the other school on paper looked much better i probably would have a better chance at life so to speak if i had lived by statistics i would never really have and uh and so from that point i made a decision i'm not going to live by statistics i'm going to live by what i think i need to do for myself here and that is to go to school for making a decision based on my character and character building and thank god i did that because of the path that I've been on. However, one of the things that I wanna at least outline is some of the things that I didn't receive through college, my college experience, um, through what was paid for in that experience. And I think what's important is for people to understand this for themselves. I think what's important is for people to understand this for themselves. You got a piece of paper, you got more knowledge, maybe you got a network and a job opportunity. I got a lot of those things, but did these things serve as a replacement for understanding your identity and destiny. Did these things themselves serve as a replacement for understanding your identity and destiny? Some people are spending more than 100K on college. Think about that, just college undergrad. I'm not talking graduate degree at this point. They're paying for just undergrad. They're paying more than $100,000. Yet they find themselves spending thousands more in traditional healthcare counseling, coaching, just to reconcile what was lost or missing in that college experience. I post on my Instagram, I said, wow, Colleges are really making a run, giving pharma a run for their money in terms of their marketing. Colleges, because when you can increase tuition by over 1,000% over inflation over the last 40 years or so, man, you really must be, you really must be reeling them in. You must be reeling them in. You must be doing something that gets people to buy in. And what, I, what I've actually identified with is that people are reeled in by being able to identify with. What I mean is people who don't have a strong sense of their understanding and identity will latch themselves on to an identity that is not them, i.e. a school, a football team, frankly, even religion. People will latch on to these things when they don't have an understanding of who they are as a person. And they'll pay a lot of money for it, too. They'll pay a lot of money for it, too businesses that you buy from are making money off of you. I'm not saying businesses are bad. I'm not saying it's bad that businesses provide a service or product that you value. What I'm saying is businesses that you buy from are making money off of you, which is, by the way, not a bad thing inherently, but they're making money off of you because why? Because you identify with their clan, with their group. Okay, so whether it's $5 or $5,000, whether it's uh, a a product that's a book that you become part of a book club, or whether it's um, a, a certain game that you buy and you get to join a community because you get to game with those people when you buy the game. Whatever it might be, when you get to identify with something, people are willing to pay a lot of money. They're willing to pay a lot of money. CrossFit has made an incredible, and I'm not, this is not a bad thing. I'm not, I'm not calling out brands and businesses or even colleges and universities because it's a bad thing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's important to be aware of these things because we don't know what's missing and there's, there's nothing that can replace understanding who you are as a person and your identity and destiny. There's nothing that can replace that. Not a college, not a workout gym, not a product, not a service not a person, there's nothing that can replace you understanding who you are as a person made in the image of God. And what I was going to share is CrossFit has made a great example of this. They've done a tremendous job in the fitness industry. A number of other names in the fitness industry have done a tremendous job, why? Because they've capitalized on this one thing, community. And being able to identify with a community that you can identify with personally to help improve yourself to help go someplace in life, man. People are willing to pay a lot of things. Now, my question is, are, is the ROI of a thousand percent increase over inflation over the last forty years for a college tuition? Just to be able to identify, I don't know, with uh, with whatever school you went to, is that ROI worth it? Is that ROI worth it? Now, let me let me just kind of like back it up a second because you're hearing from the guy who identified with where he went to school, or what company he worked for, uh, how much he made, all of these things. You're hearing from that guy right now. So I understand there's nothing wrong with being proud of where you went to school in a healthy way. There's nothing wrong with being proud of where you work in a healthy way. There's nothing wrong with identifying with those things and those people. But what I am saying is when that actually replaces your understanding of who you are as a person made in the image of God, man, now you're set up for something that that is not going to last. That's called a house built on sand, not a house built on rock. That is a house built on sand. And as soon as you lose that identity with that school or that company or that money, as soon as you lose that, you are set up for a train wreck. And then people get confused. They're lost. They're purposeless. They don't know who they are or where they're going. And they got to start all over again. And this is how they end up Paying money in healthcare care. Seriously, paying money in healthcare, for anxiety, paying money in healthcare care, for depression, paying money in healthcare care for all the things that develop when we have dysfunction that never gets addressed because we're so consumed with trying to find our identity in the things that we're doing, in the productivity in the accomplishments in the performance in trying to prove something in the mainstream of what we're pitched and told is the dream which is you go to school you get the grades you get the job you have a family you have a happy life but then people are not satisfied inside because why because they don't understand what will truly satisfy they don't understand who they truly who, who they truly are in the image of god here's the thing god has an image and you're made in that image you are not god God has an image. His name is Christ, Jesus Christ, the image of God. He is God himself, son of man, son of God. And he has an image, an image that is a character. And you are made in that character of Christ. And if you don't understand that you get the choice to make decisions in that character of Christ, then you're going to make choices that are just trying to satisfy whatever kind of depravity or void that you have in life. Something to think about. So what I was asking earlier today on my Instagram is I was saying, well, what's what's missing? If education is so important, which it is, if education is so important, what's missing? Well, the real problem is in college. It starts in the family. What's missing starts in the family. I can't blame a college or university Frankly, you know why they can charge 1,000% over inflation? Because people are willing to pay for it. It's called the market. People are willing to pay for it. And there are agencies set up to help people go into debt so they can pay for it. The demand is there. Why? Because people are hungry. And they're not getting what they need, not at universities, in the family. They're not getting what they need in the family. People who don't know who they are or where they're going are willing to pay hundred thousand dollars or more for a piece of paper that validates their identity and destiny in life. Education's key. So we have to start educating people about what's really missing. We have to start educating people about what's really missing. And I'm going to share three things that I think are really missing. Three things. Now, if you guys are watching and if you're saying, okay, this makes sense, uh, please share this with somebody. Hit share, hit like, hit subscribe, share this with somebody because you're not the only person who might need to hear this. If you guys are on YouTube, let me know you're there in the comments. If you guys are on Facebook, you can let me know you're there in the comments as well. And if you have questions, by the way, as I'm going through this, if you have questions, feel free to ask them. But there's three things that I think are missing. Three things. Number one, present God-fearing fathers. Present God-fearing fathers. And just like what you want to be doing is we were, we were doing this as a group, um, a couple weeks ago, we have a, a small coaching group and, and we were doing this as a group and I was just like, Hey, this is, this is just something to consider, right? Like, you have to ask yourself, have I, have I ever considered whether I had this in my life or not? So as I go through these three things, you just want to ask yourself, like, have I had these things? Have I had these things? Did I have a present God-fearing father in the family? A stronghold in war, okay? A stronghold in war is an area where, you can defend from uh it is i'm not a war expert so i'm just kind of going off the cuff here but it's an area you can defend from it's an area where you can have confidence in because you've kind of like secured the perimeter you know you've got people on guard you know uh the area think about finding like the high point in a battle right where you have some visibility and you have the stronghold of the area because you own the high point Uh, you occupy the high point of that area. And so when you lose a stronghold in a battle, uh, well, you're very susceptible, you're very vulnerable to the enemy's attack. And the reason I bring that up is because in the family, the stronghold, by God's design, the stronghold is meant to be the father of the family. Okay, so think about it this way. Have you ever lost... A father figure in your life whether they were in your family or not and felt like things just completely fell apart the glue came apart right whatever was holding you together your family together fell apart that is a stronghold gone missing okay that is that is what happens when the enemy Satan is able to get into the family through attacking the stronghold the male so that they can what so that satan can then get to the children because all satan needs to do is just throw the the trajectory in the mind of a child just off 1 degree and when you're able to do that okay when when we're talking about the war in the mind. When you're able to take a child's mind and just turn it and twist it just one degree, they're gonna end up with a very different destiny. Think about like a golf ball, you, ter- you turn the club one degree and it's gonna have a totally different trajectory. The same is true with our thought life and these thoughts that are being developed in the early ages of life in a vulnerable child's mind, who doesn't know any better, doesn't have the cognitive abilities that a, that a young adult or an adult might have developmentally, I'm just talking biologically right now, okay? Prefrontal cortex doesn't develop till later part in life. They, they literally don't have risk reward in their mind. They literally biologically don't have that. So you're when you give a child, let's just say the father is absent, Let's say the mother now assumes two roles let's say that the enemy gets in because the mother assumes two roles she's working and she has to take care of her kids and so she's providing she's caretaking she's doing all these things shout out to every single mom out there i don't know how you do it i don't know how you did it and then the enemy gets in how through i don't know let's just call it pornography the child is unsupervised, the child starts getting into pornography. Huh. Wonder how that could actually alter their trajectory. Or let's just say that the child, let's not even make it pornography. Let's just say that the child gets into oh, confusion about their identity. Confusion about their identity. Yeah. Like who they are as a male or a female. Like they have male biology but somebody in school is telling them that they're a female because they get to be. But but let's say that they've never had that thought before. It was only planted by somebody telling them that they get to be a female. Let's just say that that happens. And then let's take a child who's nine years old who doesn't have prefrontal cortex developed in their brain i.e. risk-reward profiling, and let's give them the decision to uh, have a have a gender change, gender change biologically. Let's give them that decision. You see how the enemy can get in. You see, it's just is one degree, but then they end up twenty years later with what a totally different identity. And in this case, biologically. In this case, biologically, with a different identity. Okay, and all because why, the stronghold was taken out. Maybe a spouse prematurely dies. Maybe the maybe the spouse, maybe the father figure literally isn't physically present. They're away all the time. The mother has her back turned, doesn't have her margin or capacity in her mind or schedule to be able to give her children the attention they need. Let's just say that happens. That's a reality, right? Let's just say not even that the, the spouse is away. Let's not even say that the spouse prematurely died. Let's say you got two parents who are both working full-time, and let's say that those parents are so self-absorbed because of the generational sin that was passed down to them, that they've been struggling to deal with, that they don't even have words to express. Let's say the uh, the children, therefore, are neglected and and not even neglected like financially let's say that they're taken care of financially because the parents both work and that's what you need right provide for your children financially so if you do that then everything else takes care of itself but emotionally let's just say that they're not provided for so what do you think happens to a child who wants attention maybe they go looking for that attention from somebody who's willing to offer it who doesn't have good intentions maybe it causes trauma in that child's life they go through life with 20 years of never sharing that with anybody and then end up in a counseling session at, I don't know, let's call it 35 years old, recognizing for the first time that their marriage is falling apart because they never dealt with trauma that happened when they were a child. You guys are picking up what I'm putting down. If you're picking it up, you understand that these are real things. I am not making things up. Yes, obviously I am. I don't have a particular story in mind but I'm not making things up in that these are just, these are vain thoughts and imagination. These are things that that happen all the time. These are things that are happening right now. And uh, and if we're not aware of it, if we're not aware of it, then how are we going to address it? Right? If you're not aware of it, how are you gonna address it? If you're overweight, you don't know you're overweight, how are you gonna address being overweight? If you got a heart issue, you don't know you have a heart issue, how are you gonna address the heart issue? Just simple, right? Question for you Did you have a present God fearing father? That's the stronghold of a family. That's the number one thing. A present father, that's one thing. A God fearing father is another. Those are two very different things. You can have great parents, great parents present. They were great people. Were they God fearing? Did they fear the Lord? Serious, serious question. People who fear the Lord act very differently when it comes to making decisions than people who have no regard for that fundamental reality. And I'll, I'll just call it just a, a question of morality. Do you believe that there's an original design that God has an original design for you? That you're born into a broken world, and there's an original design, and you get to make that choice to uh, come back to that original design or not? Do you believe that God gives you choice at all? If God were uh, an evil God, why would the Creator give you choice to believe in Him? Why would you, the creation, get the choice to believe that you have a Creator if He were an evil God? Do you believe God is good? And these are questions that shape our belief system and what we view around us. Somebody who fears God may be seeking God and His ways in their decisions that they make. So it's one thing to be a present, good person who does good deeds. Guess what? I don't believe you go to heaven because you do good works. I believe Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. And I believe out of an overflow of having a transformed heart and mind, the good works ought to be the fruit of your life. But just because you do good works, I don't believe that that is the only thing you need in life to just be a good person, to just be kind. I believe there's much more because we are spirit beings with a soul and a body. We are spirit beings with a soul and a body. So if that's the case, then there's much more for us here on earth than just being a person Who's positive and kind, and I'm not speaking negatively about anybody who are who is who had parents who are those things. That's great, but I'm trying to make a statement about the importance of being of being God fearing. God fearing. Welcome if you guys are new. It's awesome to see you. I got some comments over there. So that's number one. Is what's missing, you know, and and I believe it's a present God fearing father in the family who's a stronghold in the family. Who sets the foundation? And and honestly, masculinity is being attacked. Masculinity is absolutely being attacked. I don't know if this is true or not, but I remember hearing a, a story, just a very quick example about soldiers at war during World War II, and um, how there actually there was a you know really like an enemy of of um, we'll call it an enemy of the United States, who believed that. Um, the end of the the end of any kind of future for a country is determined by the discipline of their soldiers. And um, I say the end uh, let's, let's call it the, the end is determined by the lack of discipline by their soldiers. So in this case, for example, um, there was an observation of how um, US soldiers, were not as disciplined as other soldiers, in this particular example, in the World War II example. And uh, and the point was that uh, they observed this through their behavior towards women. Through their behavior towards women. You know what's been one of the uh, fastest growing, most disgusting industries to destroy masculinity? Pornography. Pornography. How do you tear down the stronghold of a nation, get a bunch of men to be weak and lack self-discipline? I'll tell you that's one way. Absolutely. Absolutely one way. Just make pornography rampant and make men weak. That's one way to tear down the stronghold of a nation. Because why? Because you're then going to make men weak in the family. Women will lose respect for their husbands. Children will lose respect for their fathers. Why would you listen to a father when you lose respect for them? Why would you listen to a husband when you lose respect for them? And guess what? If they're not God-fearing, then why would they repent, turn away from their ways and mistakes, and ask for forgiveness? Something to think about. Present and God-fearing fathers, it's the one thing that we need. And the question I'd ask is, you know, are you learning these things? Are you learning these things And when you get your college degree? Is that something that you're learning? I'm not putting the onus on a university. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm using that as a launch point to ask the question of, you know, what's the ROI of paying 1,000% over the inflation rate? Seriously, what's the ROI there? Number two thing I think we're missing, cohesive healthy family structures. This kind of goes hand in hand with number one, Cohesive, healthy family structures. Number one, you know, a present, God-fearing father. My gosh, you had that. A lot of things are right. Uh, And I'm not saying that as men are above women. I'm saying men have a responsibility. And I'm a man, so I'm gonna say we have a responsibility, right? Like, am I allowed to say that we have a responsibility? Does it is it really hard? Absolutely. Is it something that we have the privilege? of being able to make the choice to take up our responsibility, yes. Do we need help? Absolutely. We need help. We need help. And women, we need help. And having a healthy family structure, that is a huge help. A huge help when the man and the woman in the family know how to treat each other. Wow. Wouldn't that be amazing? So just asking yourself, did you have a cohesive family structure? Did you have a cohesive, when I say cohesive, I'm not talking enmeshed. And if you don't know what that is, I would look it up. Enmeshment is very common in family dynamics. There's heavy reliance on other people, dependencies in an unhealthy way. It's, it's one thing to have dependency on your father uh, as he gives you proper you know, authority and has proper authority in your life to make decisions. But there comes a point in time when you, you actually need to separate, be released from your father. Uh, you need to be released from certain decisions and 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 coming to your parents for decisions and and what they're finding actually in counseling now is that adulting happens into uh, late into the 20s now in other words people are delaying responsibility and delaying separation from family and and there's a number of reasons but I can't say that that's all healthy I can't say that that's all healthy. I think if we were healthy, we would uh, we would be better preparing children to understand what is healthy responsibility, what is a healthy time to start taking personal ownership. And what what I'm also not talking about is too much independence, because many families don't have any authority over their children. the The children are rebelling against their parents because the parents were too controlling. And, and that's a function of unhealthy family dynamics too, right? So when you think about having a present God-fearing father, and you think about having a cohesive healthy family structure, the two go hand in hand. You know, if a father is present and God-fearing, well, then they're going to be seeking, they're going to be seeking the ways in which they can have a healthy family, which is guess what? If you believe God has an original design, those are God's ways, and those are good ways. Those are what are called ancient paths. Those are his principles. Those are his healthy design for how things ought to be in the family. Those are not destructive things. They're things that are meant to help you thrive, not just survive. And so it's really important for men to know their role our role and responsibility right and healthy masculinity understanding our role submitted to the lord but it's also important that women know their role and that women treat men and men treat women with mutual respect in a in a in a covenant of marriage which is a whole another topic about what is marriage and how it's more than a piece of paper it's a promise and all these things and and how it's been distorted and really just watered down to something that is um, not valued as, as it once has been. But in a cohesive, healthy family structure, it starts with the father and the mother. It starts with the husband and the wife. And now the world that we live in, we're getting confused about, well, is there a husband and is there a wife? We're getting confused about this. We don't even, we're, we're starting to question, is this even the structure that's meant to happen? And so this slight twist, this slight twist in understanding can take you in a totally different trajectory. And, you know, there's one thing, there's one thing that is being dismissive, and that's unhealthy. It's unhealthy to be completely dismissive. It's unhealthy to, to look at somebody and say, you are so, you know, uh, just to to completely gaslight them. That's what I'll leave it at, okay? But in the other sense, it's important to have discernment. And and so in people's effort to not be dismissive, people are not having discernment. In other words, in people's effort to not um, project any possibility of hatred, people are laying down to any possibility that there is truth. In other words, they're not standing for anything. Because if you don't have a God-fearing man in the family that says God does have a way and I want to seek his ways, and those ways are higher than my ways, then you let your children believe whatever they want to believe with regards to one thing. Well, what do you think is right? And it's, it's not about It's not about what we think is right it's what's god's design it's what's god's design because i can tell you there have been so many times in my life where what i thought was right was not god's design and i had to go through a process to figure that out and i am still going through that process and i'm totally uh okay with not being perfect i'm committed to growth not perfection and that's the process that i'm in but it's so important for us to recognize that we need to have discernment. Just because uh, you know we're given choice in what we believe, that doesn't mean that anything is true. It doesn't mean that there's anything that's true. So we have to really have uh, a model of not just the opportunity to explore, but the also, but also the importance of having discernment while exploring being grounded, seeking God's ways, and saying, okay, this is what's out in the world. This is what I'm being told, but let me filter that through scripture. Let me filter that through Holy Spirit. Spirit and scripture work together, by the way. And let me filter it through those things. And let me seek wise counsel from people who've been through this process and this journey, right? Rather than just saying, well, just go sort it out, figure it out on your own, and and pick and choose from anything that's out there. And that's your truth. It's like, well, actually, I think that's how we found ourselves in this place to begin with. And I say this place, which is a bunch of people who are confused about who they are and where they're going. And they're paying a thousand percent over inflation growth rate to figure that out. And even going back to school to get their MBA so they can have a piece of paper validate their identity because they don't have a strong understanding of who they are in their core and how that will take them further than what they do for a career. This is true. This is this is what's happening. Number three. So number one is a present God-fearing father. Number two is a cohesive, healthy family structure. Number three. Before I share number three, if you guys are watching, if this is uh, helpful, if you're if you believe that this is something that people need to hear, please go ahead, share, like, comment, whatever it is, so that people can have the opportunity to see this and hear this. I really believe we need to uh, to open up this conversation. People are searching in all the wrong places. And I talk with a lot. I was one of them and I talk with a lot of them. And, uh, and when I say that, I mean, people, when I talk with a lot of them, I talk with people on the journey who are seeking and, uh, and that's a good thing. But what I'm also saying is that there's a lot of people, it's, it's raised my awareness that there's a lot of people who don't even know that they're seeking. Does that make sense? There's a lot of people who don't even know what they're seeking for. And, um, and they're going to try and find it in all these other places and they come up empty handed. And it's a, it's a very discouraging process and I've been there. Uh, it's a very discouraging process. And so this hopefully opens people's eyes to help them see, okay, this actually, this is kind of making sense. I, I didn't even have a present father, let alone a God-fearing present father. Uh, I didn't have a cohesive family structure. What do I do about that? And I'll share that at the end. And number three, Um, A clear, not confused identity spoken over them, spoken over children. That's number three, is a clear, not confused identity spoken over children. That is something that is absolutely missing. And um, let me give you an example of what that might be. Uh, Let's just say marriage didn't work out in the family. And then the father decides to tell the son, well you'll never get married not because that's true but because they decide to project that on the son speak words of death okay because our words are life and death life and death are by the power of the tongue the father then chooses to speak words of death over the belief in the child of hope and opportunity to find love, to find connection, intimacy in the healthy ways that God has intended and designed, the child starts to believe, I'm not worth love. I'm not worth somebody loving me. I will never get married. These are thoughts that people have. I'm not speaking this over anybody. I will never get married. And then they self-sabotage every relationship that they have. Common. Common. When you don't speak life over a child in their identity of who they are, you are so beautiful. You are so strong. You are so persevering. You are such a creative woman. You are such a creative man. When you don't speak life and instill who the child is, someone will. Someone will. The question is, what will they say? It doesn't mean that they're going to speak life. Just because somebody will speak into your child's identity, it doesn't mean that it's going to be the identity of who they truly are. And then the child, all they have to do is come into agreement with the beliefs about themselves. I am this way. I am a slow learner. I am uh, a person with a disability you know what you actually might not be a person with a learning disability you might be somebody who's incredibly creative who just needs a different environment in order to unlock that creativity that's what you might be but if a parent is not available present god fearing seeking god's wisdom and input about their child and their identity and they're not in a cohesive family structure, healthy family structure, where there's life spoken over that child, their identity, and then a a teacher says something about the child that is not true, brings it home, and it even gets to the parent of the family, and the parent doesn't have understanding of their child's identity, then the parent might just come into agreement with the teacher because the teacher spends more time with the child than the parent does anyway. So why would the teacher be wrong? That's what the parent might think because they're so consumed with all these other things, they're offloading their parenting. This is a reality. This is not how it's meant to be. So it's really important that we have some understanding. It's really important that we have some understanding about not just what does it mean to to have a healthy male figure, father, husband in the home, By the way a lot of people have never had that example so that doesn't mean you're lost it just means you didn't have it yet and that means that you might have to seek god which is not a bad thing seek god in his ways about what that looks like ask for practicals like lord i need your principles i need i need an example i need you to send me a role model which is jesus by the way but but i need you lord I need you to send me your perfect love through people. I need a person to I could talk with, be mentored by, learn from, watch something from anything. Guys, there's so much available to us today. If we don't have an understanding of that, if we don't have an understanding about what a cohesive, healthy family structure looks like, and if a child does not have clear, not confused identity spoken over them, what happens? Their identity and destiny is so confused. They end up going on this journey, lost, circling, blah, 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 blah. And then they check all the boxes and find themselves totally lacking fulfillment. That was me. That was me. Now, what I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I didn't have, uh, an incredible upbringing of which I did. I was adopted at birth. I had incredible parents and, um, I was afforded so much in my life, my gosh. But what I didn't know is that there are really key things that are missing in that process for a lot of people. And for me, at the core of my questioning, being adopted, just speaking honestly, the core of my questioning was, who am I? And where did I come from? Because why? Because where you come from informs where you're going. It doesn't dictate your future, your past informs your present. And your present and what you choose to do with it dictates your future. Your decisions dictate your future. Your decisions dictate your destiny. And if you don't understand who you are, where you came from, if you don't understand those things, man, it is incredibly confusing. It is incredibly confusing. And I speak from the place of sure, I'm adopted, but guess what, that's not like the only thing that that uh, can cause that confusion i mean people wrestle with the same exact questions with all kinds of different challenges that they face personally so you can't pin it on one thing all of those things whether it's adoption whether it's a father who cheated on a mother whether it's a a single parent household whether it's a, a race a gender all these different things guys all of them come back to one thing and that is rejection that is brokenness That is the fall of man, and that is our need for something greater than ourselves. And the enemy wants to deceive. Okay, He came to steal, kill, and destroy. How does he do that? Through deception. He wants to deceive us into thinking that we can find something greater than ourselves in all the things that we'll never find true hope and fulfillment in. And what God wants to do is he wants to, and Jesus came to bring the kingdom. He said, the kingdom is here. He didn't say, I came to bring religion. Jesus did not say that. He didn't say, I came to put a heavy burden on you. He didn't say that either. He actually came to set the captives free. He came to bring the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. This is what Jesus came to do in the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom, that's an inside job. These are inside things but nobody is teaching you those things when it comes to seeking knowledge and information and the next step and the plan. Men, man plans his ways, but the Lord orders our steps. And then if we don't have an understanding that the Lord is the Lord, then, then we're gonna end up planning our ways to, to ways that might not line up with his ways. And I can tell you his ways are good. His ways are perfect. His ways will will take us through the suffering that happens whether we like it or not. Suffering happens here on earth. Okay? Death happens whether we like it or not. We're all subject to it. Okay? So his ways will take us through that and overcome that. Okay, it doesn't mean that we'll be absent of that. It means that we'll be able to go through that and we'll be able to be empowered and blessed through that. Empowered, empowered, empowered. Think about your life and think about, have you been empowered with a present God-fearing father, a cohesive, healthy family structure, and a clear, not confusing identity spoken over you consistently? Have you been empowered with those three things? If you have not been empowered with those three things my guess is that god wants to do something he wants to do something with that he wants to take the brokenness he wants to restore it you think about a vase it gets broken it doesn't mean you can't use it you can put it back together and actually i believe it's in japan there's like some of the most beautiful potter put together with these gold um, lines showing the old cracks that were joined together to create this new vase or mug that they create. It's an ancient practice, I forget what it's called, but the bottom line is you take something that's broken, you make it put back together and it's more beautiful in a different way. And God does that all the time with our lives. He does that all the time with our lives. So the whole point of this message, conversation, whatever you wanna call it, is for you to just start thinking about right? For you to just start thinking about, gosh, like, I have invested so much into the world's ways. Let's just call it through a college education. If you went to school, went to college, I've invested so much into the world's ways of finding a path, success, whatever it might be. But are those ways God's ways? And, and more than that, What does he want to do with that investment what does he want to show me in other words how does he want to take that experience because your past informs your present how does the Lord want to take that experience that I've been through and how does he want to use that to restore things in my life that I might have not had in these three things that TJ is talking about right now so I'm just gonna pray very quickly and then we'll end but um, I, I think there's a lot to take in here so um, if you have questions, feel free to to use the comment section. I'm pretty active and um, would be happy to even just read your thoughts. If you had thoughts about anything I shared, I'd be happy to read those and respond. But Lord, thank you for this opportunity to even know your ways. Lord, nobody ever shared this stuff with me. Nobody ever shared this stuff with me. And, and um, Lord, we value colleges. We value degrees. We value education, knowledge, and those things. But we know that there's so much more. We know there's so much more, Lord, and we know that it can be so easy to be distracted, to get invested into things that are of the world, and uh, and to miss you in the world. Lord, because your kingdom is here right now. It's not that it's separate. It's not that you are separate. It's that you are, yes, holy, but you are a part. You are a part of our process, of our life, of our journey. And Lord, we ask for you to, to show each person who's listening, watching, we ask for you to show them, especially in the area of their lives, these three things, we ask for you to show them, how are you doing your work? What are you restoring? Well, thank you for family. Thank you for parents of everybody that's watching. Thank you for my parents. Lord, thank you for a college opportunity. Like, my gosh, incredible. And Lord, there's so much that you've shown me on my journey. And, uh, and I just, we want to honor the things that I've been through, the things that other people have been through, even the hard things, the things that we could easily look to and put a blame on. And that's not, that's not what we do right now. We don't put a blame on those things. So we come to you, we repent from old ways of thinking, uh, that we need to go get an MBA to be worth living, that we need to, to go get X, Y, and Z certification, credit, credited, whatever to, um to be worth anything to to others in the sight of others. Lord, if we're if we're to do those things, we wanna do those things honoring you. We wanna do those things um, because it makes sense. And, and by faith and not by fear, it's the right decision. Um, but Lord, we, we really need your guidance. We really need your ways. So Holy Spirit, I ask right now, that you use scripture for each person who's watching and listening. Highlight something to them. Highlight something to them, Lord. Show them truth in Scripture. Help refine their mind, renew their mind in Scripture, and help them see just the ways that their identity maybe hasn't been shaped or formed or has, and, and the ways that you want to refine that in your image. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, please, again, share this with somebody if you think it has any value for for that person specifically, and uh, appreciate you.